I'm a son of Adam, born into hope, into heat, into thousands of voices. I'm a son of Adam, out in the crowd, on the street, our pain, our pride, our choices. We've been chanting, Horea, Horea. Welcome to another episode of uh, Cairo in Exile. My guests today are uh, the Lazur brothers. They're known as the Lazurs, and they are Patrick and Daniel. Writers, songwriters, musicians, really all around creative artists. I got to know them through their play about the January 25 revolution, Egyptian revolution, uh, which is called We Live in Cairo, and that was in 2019. It premiered at the American Repertory Theater in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Welcome to both of you. Thank you for having us. Um, so my first question to you is probably a question you've heard so many times, but what inspired you to create We Live in Cairo? I mean, here you are, two Boston College boys, just sitting in your dorms, you know, there's nothing that's really connecting you to Egypt. Why would you think of writing about something like We Live in Cairo? It's a great question. Well. Um, in fact, actually, Daniel, I was the one to go to, to Boston College, and Daniel, when I was there, was, I believe, yeah, it was my senior year, so he was a freshman at Columbia. Okay. And he, and so I was in a class by the name of um, International Relations, Relations of the Middle East, and uh, it was maybe one of the final classes of the semester, and the teacher was quickly um, sort of going through the, because it was sort of a history of, I think the class covered probably about a, a century. So um, it was, this final class was sort of giving some credence to like the current events of the Middle East. And, and, and he was showing a PowerPoint and one of the, you know, it was 2012 at the time. So a year after January 25th. And uh, one of the photos in the PowerPoint was a bunch of students, probably, I don't know the exact, I should know the exact number, probably 10 students, eight to 10 students, all gathered around a, an Apple computer, uploading videos and testimonials seven floors above Tahrir Square during the 18 days. And this photo, for some reason, I think it was because of the dynamism of the shots, the youth, the, the optimism, the fearlessness, it immediately stuck with me. And we were trying, at the time, we just finished up another musical, and we really wanted to, for our, for our next musical, we, we really wanted to sort of explore our kind of Arab heritage, and and I know and I know Egypt um, is is certainly culturally a far cry from Lebanon. Um, we're Lebanese, but but we still really wanted to, you know, we 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 wanted to explore 
what uh, we wanted to explore revolution. We wanted to explore the Arab world. And I think this photo opened up so much for us. And, uh, and I immediately called Daniel and he found, right, Daniel, you found the video. Uh, the, the, That's right. There was an accompanying New York Times uh, video to, yeah, made by the, the same photojournalist that took the picture that Patrick's talking about. Right. And that was sort of like the, that sealed the deal, I think, for us. And that started a seven year journey of writing We Live in Cairo. That's from, a journey. Yeah, it's it's a long journey, and it's it's sort of the average for musicals, mm -hmm. which is wild. But well, and it's also you know this whole of of basically wholesale changes based on what we learned uh, over over the course of of those seven years, at what was happening also in Egypt over the course of those seven years. So I think we began it very much from a. Um, a, a journalistic standpoint of, you know, reading articles that were printed in Western newspapers and that, that were, you know, as, as we all know now, were sort of written in a tenor that was, um, it was very Western. It was very, oh, look at democracy Pacific. taking hold. Yeah. Pacific. yeah. And, um, and I think as we journeyed, it was it was about okay those are documents that we can use but what else can we add can we interview people that were there can we go to egypt can we um involve um artists and activists in the production so so all these you know all these uh these steps along the way that really made for a beautifully zigzagged sort of journey you know yeah, so it evolved over the years. It was mm -hmm. a complete evolution, oh, especially, yeah. especially with what some people call a failed revolution. I, I don't see it failed, but what happened after the revolution. So the fact that you actually started it with the optimism and then over the years it changed so dramatically, mm -hmm. um, and became even darker. Yeah. As, as and I remember a key key moment in that development too, just to jump off what you're saying, Marlene, um, Tarek Masood at the Middle East Institute at Harvard, he heard about the show, heard that we were developing the show at the ART, which is affiliated with Harvard. Mm -hmm. And we sat down um, with him the first time after he had read the script and he was so enthusiastic. He, he also happens to love musicals. So that was really great that there was sort of no language barrier in terms of that. Um, but we sat down and he's like, guys, you're missing the drama. You're missing it. Because I think when he read it, I think it very much focused on 2011. And um, he's like, you're missing the drama of what happened after all of um, wow. all, all of what was to come. And he was, I really think he was right. And that that's what led to the development of the second act yeah and uh and it's a beautiful second act as well thank you thank you the whole thing you know that i'm your number one fan so <laughs> you are. i think i've been almost stalking you guys <laughs> <laughs> that makes one of you <laughs> thank you so why a musical 
I mean, why was it music? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. I don't think one we've ever been able to answer as cogently as we want to. I, it really, I think it really does have to do with the fact that we, we have we worked together for quite a few years before we live in Cairo. Mm. And the way that we worked was really in the, in the format of musical theater. So Daniel wrote the music, I wrote the lyrics, we both sort of combined on the dialogue and the, and the libretto of the thing. And it, it's sort of our format of telling sto stories, or at least up to the point of Cairo. And so I think really it had a lot to do, the musical element of We Live in Cairo, I think had a lot to do with just like the nature of our relationship and our artistic sensibilities. Mm -hmm. um, right? And I, and I think it was... Um, I, ve like very soon into the research process, you know, coming across someone like Rami Assam, like figuring out how this musical could sing was pretty easy. I mean, because you had such an iconic voice uh, doing that very thing, leading, leading chants and, and digging into protest music and thinking about that as a means of telling a, a musical story as opposed to, you know, deep, um, I mean, I, I think the, the score can, it, it does have sort of character-driven moments and character-driven songs. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think by and large, which sort of speaks to the way I think we made the album that, that's come 5th of January, um, you know, it, it's, it's protest music that, that can be embodied, hopefully, by a number of different people, a number of different personalities. Um, and, and yeah, and that was an exciting journey to go on as well, sort of parallel to, to learning about Egypt, learning about like, what makes a protest song a protest song. Yeah, it was sort of the happiest of accidents, I guess, because our, we write, we wrote musical, you know, this whole thing, there's this whole sort of um, science behind the musical that's kind of, um, that's discussed with people like Stephen Sondheim and even like Andrew, well, Andrew Lloyd Webber less so, but you know, this whole like the way of writing the musical and it's always find a reason for people to sing. And, you know, in this musical, it was kind of extraordinary that you had a revolution that was so musical that yeah the tapestry like the, it was so woven into the tapestry music mm -hmm. um yeah and, and this and something i heard too marlene um and this was late into the the process when when we went to the american university in cairo and did a reading um of of a you know a, a draft of the musical a, a you know a few drafts back now um but i remember one of the students involved said oh did you know that um there was a moment in during the 18 days when they pulled down projectors to project um, and, and put on the loudspeaker, do you hear the people sing from Les Mis? Yes, that's true. <laughs> Which I mean, wow. I didn't, I actually didn't know. And I, I, you know, it's one of those beautiful things that you wouldn't know I, unless you were there. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I was really taken by that. Which is another of my favorite um, 
musicals. Yeah. <laughs> Another <laughs> revolution. That particular song is, is a very powerful song. It is, it um, is. I think um, what one of the things that contributed to making it so powerful was, was not just the protest music and the, it, it was also the choreography and the scenery. I mean, the, the, the way the scene, uh, when I went, you know, I was very cynical uh, initially before getting into the theater. It's like, um, I wonder what they'll say about the revolution, how they portray it. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as it started and, and all these effects and the energy mm -hmm. in the room, and the energy of the cast, of course, Dana is my favorite uh, uh, actor, yeah. uh, and all the other actors, absolutely. Yeah. Um, They're all unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, the energy there, I think, is what made the, the, the musical so successful. It is um, definitely powerful. Yeah, yeah. And I think it all stems from the idea that we were directly inspired by protest music. And I think the, I think the goal of protest music is to create energy with crowd, you know, with crowds of people yes. in simple, effective ways. And I think just having that inspiration behind every one of the, uh, every one of the, the songs and the score, I think really, um, really made for, for something quite exciting. True, very true. They feed me lies, if not the scraps of truth. They fill me up with shit. I feel shame. They fill themselves, they fill me up again. This time on state TV, they said he ate hashish. That makes no sense, they say it anyways, they say it anyways, there are many ways to tell the truth, just tell them that the youth are doing drugs. That's why he died, and drugs are wrong, that is not done, that is sought up. They feed themselves, they like infections most, they let their bellies out. When they're full, they feed themselves, they drive in chauffeured cars, they shut down rotaries. And if you know the man in charge, you pass by, you pass by, you pass by, you pass by. You have rights, you pass by, you're my friend, you pass by. I can see, I can see them. I can see deep within. I can hear, I can hear them when they say there's no way. So speaking of protest music uh, and your new album, tell us, uh, I heard one song that you released from the album and it's uh, tantalizing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> It makes me just, I can't wait for it. So it's, uh, it's going to be released on the 25th, which is the anniversary of, of the revolution. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about the album. It's called Flap Your Wings, right? Yeah, Flap My Wings. And so it's sort of, uh, yeah, I mean, it's such an exciting um, project. And 
we, I mean, we were just talking about this the other day. We just, we cannot believe the incredible artists that, that came aboard to interpret songs from the musical. So it's not a typical musical theater cast album in that it's not exactly sort of souvenir from the, from the show, um, but it's uh, us, the cast of the musical, as well as um, many invited guests like Rami Assam, like Amel Mathluthi, uh, coming aboard to interpret these songs in their own way, in their own style. So it was this beautiful remote project that um, we sort of can't, can't believe came together given, you know, what everything going on. And, um, you know, we would, we would send maybe some backing tracks that we recorded in New York to Amel who was in Paris to, you know, other actors who were in Mexico city. Um, and they, they lend their voice, um, to the, to the project. I mean, and I think, you know, technically speaking, I, I think it, um, you know, we're, we're proud of it, but also our, like, I don't think we can really believe um, some of these, some of these interpretations because someone like Amel Mathluthi, her song, Tontihora, this sort of anthem of the Tunisian revolution, directly inspired the song that she's singing, um, Living Here, which was the finale of the musical at the ART. So, I mean, we would, you know, in 2014, Patrick and I were listening to her and we were like, oh, wow, this is so beautiful. We need to tap into this spirit somehow. What if we tried to write a song that had this spirit? Um, and we wrote the, the last song and, and we, you know, we, we, we met her actually um, at a concert that we opened for, for Rami Assam. Uh, and she had, you know, such nice words um, to say about some of the music that we played. And, you know, we, we were totally, you know, beside ourselves, the fact that we Star were- Starstruck. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, so we were, we, we were just, we're really taken by, by her interpretation um, of that song, as well as Rami's. Um, so there's, I mean, I, I, I feel it's like a, my it's mind a is going feast. In different directions. It, yeah. I, and I'd only add, I'd only add that I, I, you, I, I don't think we can stress enough the, the kind of creative autonomy mm -hmm. that this album, uh, uh, the, uh, that sort of embodied this album. I think the, the, the tracks that you'll hear on the album were, are yes, the melodies of, of We Live in Cairo um, and will certainly evoke the, the musical, but, but they are really the arrangements and the spirit of these these artists they took the melody they took this backing track and they create backing track which is just you know the instruments um the, the instruments laid down uh for for these these artists to sing over to record over um they really just you like they just use raw really raw materials and they created these extraordinary extraordinary art objects Mm -hmm. um, that come together in, in a, in a, a collage, a, a beautiful collaborative collage, mm -hmm. um, that I think does, I think does a lot of justice, um, to, to the, to the, this, this, the show and mm -hmm. the, the energy behind the show. What is, uh, where can one find the album? Yes. So on the um, 25th, it will be available on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, 
YouTube, uh, and anywhere, anywhere you stream music. Angami, I know, is big in the Middle East too, so it will be there. Okay, that's great. The air is our own. Sleeping in the night. The heart of the city. The light is our own. Waiting for morning light. Not against the worst of I'll go back a little bit to We Live in Cairo once again because one of the fascinating things, although it was all about the revolution, it was very, it had stories, individual stories that were extremely powerful. Uh, like the person who was um, the character who was the Muslim Brotherhood, the character who was a, you know, the, the activist, uh, the photographer who wasn't interested in anything mm -hmm. uh, except just taking photographs. She didn't know anything about activism. But one of the, one of the, and, it, and each of these characters came through very powerfully. One of the interesting connections here is, of course, the relationship between a Muslim woman, the photographer, and one of the Christian brothers, Christian brother characters in the show. And what surprised me is how did you guys, not being, not being Egyptian, know that there were such issues. I mean, this is such a, it's very difficult to tackle. Mm -hmm. So the fact that in the middle of all this, you got that story, why? Where did that come from? Um, how do you know about this issue? Yeah, well, first of all, we really appreciate those words because I think we, we both worked really hard to try to to find uh, the crevices and the details of 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 these lives of the lives of these characters, and um, I think we got kind of a we we got kind of obsessed with each one of them. You know, they started as uh, two dimensional. You know, they started as sort of like oh, you as Daniel said, I think it. You know, you have the you you approach it as a journalist and from there you kind of find your six type your six types you know like there's the activist who won't back down there's the brothers there's the non-activist you know all these things and you find that you find those types and then um and then we were just lucky enough because the subject matter was so rich and continues to be so rich that we just got obsessed with what these characters, who these characters were and how, what they represented for the, for this question. I think um, uh, we kind of, uh, I think we might discuss in a little bit, but we, we sort of mentioned how far does one go for the love of one's country? Uh, that question, I think we really tried to explore what these characters meant in terms of that question. Um, and so I think in, ter in, in, in terms of uh, uh, Layla and Emir, uh, that, that sort of Coptic 
uh, Muslim relationship was something that um, we heard, we were at the American University in Cairo and I remember we were sort of, we were hanging out with the students, right, Daniel? We were just hanging out with the students we, like after class, we were teaching. I'm glad you classes. remember. I, I, I forgot where the story sort of, the origin story of that storyline. You know? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of forget specific, the specific yeah. when yeah. we first came across it, but I just, I do remember a student was talking to us and he's like, oh yeah, and, and you know, um, and she's, uh, he was talking about a friend of, uh, two friends of his. And, and I remember him saying, him just bemoaning the fact that they had to break up. Th their friends, his mutual friends had to break up because um, one of his friends was Muslim um, and then the other was, was Christian. And I remember just being, remember really asking him, we were all kind of asking him about it. And he's like, yeah, it was just, it, it was such a shame because they were so good for each other and mm -hmm. all of this. Um, and I think that was where the inspiration, that was sort of where the inspiration came. And we did, you know, we, 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 from there, we, you know, we, we did a lot of research regarding, uh, regarding the issue and, um, and, and the, in the final analysis, it, it, it was on the ART stage mm -hmm. in 2019 with Amit and, and Layla singing that song movement, uh, which is, yeah, which is about uh, about sort of the the impossibility of of their love of of um, legitimizing their love and and what the options the options that they might um, have mm -hmm. to make it make it real. Mm -hmm. What fascinates me about this is really the detail of each character. Like you said, they were every one of them three dimensional characters. And it's not just about relationships, but every character had a story and was not just a representation mm. of, for example, the Muslim Brotherhood guy had a story, mm. a really deep story that, that we followed, that we were interested in, mm. and wasn't just a representation of the Muslim Brotherhoods. Mm -hmm. it, it just, was very powerful. So, yeah. I'm so glad, man. Thank you. What if I wanted more? What if I wanted you for longer? What if I wanted days? If I wanted nights into days Sounds good Then we'll pack a bag And we'll take a bus to Alice And we'll sail to Greece Mary Stay Sounds good. And when people ask us, we'll say people move. 
okay, you you just said you were talking about your thinking, Patrick, when you said, how far are you willing to go for the love of your country? And that question fascinated you, of course. So to both of you, how did you feel about that during this recent election in the US? Mm-hmm. How far would you have gone? Yeah, it's a it's a really it's a really interesting question and I think especially on the left I think we we really question what even is this country? What even does it stand for? Is it even worth fighting for? Sometimes in the most extreme way. Um, and I think, I mean, working on working on the musical um, and looking at Egypt and looking at the um, dedication that so many of these activists had to their home, I mean, to where their, you know, family has been, to, to where they, um, live, where they go to school, these connections they make. And I think, you know, the country is in the people. Um, it all has to do with the people and not not the borders. And so I think when I think about how far I would go, I have to think about, well, how far would I go for my friend? How far would I go for my brother? Who, you know, who are Americans with me um, at the end of the day, at the end of the day. And um, and I, I, that's that's sort of what I think about. That's what I've been sort of grappling with this in this past year. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I also think it's sort of in our at least. Hmm, I, I, this might be this might be a stretch, but I sometimes think there's uh, there's a thing where it's like it's sort of chic to be pessimistic in the U.S. It's sort of chic to be pessimistic about uh about your country mm-hmm. um uh and uh that sort of anti-patriotism um does sort of pervade a thinking when you hear things like if he loses if he wins again i'm going to canada i don't even care i'm just leaving and um and i think what we learned in writing we live in cairo was these activists who in so many ways were not accepted in their country, not quote unquote accepted in their country or felt um, alone in their country, still loved their country, um, still felt such a fealty to the, the um, what I, I'm going to, you know, a quote the, the final song in the, in the musical, you know, the rhythm of conversation, the intonations, the, um, the family, the, as you said, Daniel, brother, you know, brotherhood, sisterhood, like all of those things just sort of running through the blood of these activists who are, you know, denouncing so many elements Mm -hmm. and demanding change in, you know, in their home. Um, and I think that sort of dissonance, living with that dissonance is what Egyptian activists, to my estimation, live with every day. Um, and it's something that we can learn from. I think we can really learn from to be able to hold both things, hold a love for your country and hold a desire to change it and to not be 
to not be uh, complacent. And it's exhausting. I think we realized it's, it's like, you know, it, 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 you, it's so, it's so much work. It's so much work to, to be constantly fighting, um, fighting that in your, in your psyche. Mm. Um, and I think we're kind of catching on to it a little bit. You know, you even heard in the inauguration address from Biden, you kind of, you're start, we're starting to sort of catch on to this idea of like, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, and, and other generations, I think, other generations, I think in the 60s and, and before that had this feeling. But I think millennials, for millennials and Gen Zers, I think it's like something that we're now finally coming to recognize, you know, that it's just, it's tough work. It's tough work. Um, and so it's just this show has done so much to, to help us um, come to terms with, with that. Yeah. And the only other thing I'd say to that, just thinking about Fedwa, because I know you said, Marlene, she's your favorite character. You know, we wrote her knowing that knowing that these um, activists exist that will just never stop, that will never give up. But I, I don't know how much we like felt felt it. Um, I mean, I think we I think that's, you know, the job of, of writers to have an imagination to be able to get get inside a character like that. But up until this summer with with BLM um, and thinking about racial justice and just so many of the sy systemic problems that um, that require just absolute persistence, like with without wavering, I think like finally I was like, that's Fedwa. This is Fedwa. This is this is why we need Fedwas who will just not they're just not gonna, gonna give up. And when, when I don't know, I, I, to, to, to echo Patrick, you know, coming, sort of coming to terms with that in our own American context is, I think, uh, incredible. I mean, it's just incredible, this, the universality of, um, of humanity, of, of, of movements, of, of people, um, the, the power of the people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I just hope, I just hope that, um, I, I, I hope that on January 25th, we could do a little bit of work to cast our lens on this, especially on this day, on this 10th anniversary, on the, on the 10th anniversary of Takriya, we can do a little bit of work to just glance a little bit outside of our country to see that, you know, the, there are other countries that are doing work, you know, that, that we can learn from yeah, and we can have conversation with and would we just would be better people for it. And I think we are, Americans have a habit of really being concerned with themselves. And thinking you know? that the answer lies with, within our own history, our, our very small and you know, sordid history. And it doesn't, the yeah. answer doesn't. Yeah. It, it, it lies, as you're saying, Patrick, in other, I mean, in other cultures. And, and, and this is something that you say often too, Patrick, like the history of activism in Egypt, um, the generations of activists looking at certain activist families, that's not something that I think we know intimate in this country as well. Mm -hmm. um, 
as you know as as Egyptians do on the whole. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I think about too. Is is you know there's a lot of wisdom and and revolutionary wisdom in in other cultures and especially in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. It reminds me of um, Alet Swif, who is now um, uh, in prison mm. in Egypt. Uh, he was here in a conference um, after the revolution. He was in the States, in California, and uh, it was quite a big conference. And uh, people were asking him, you know, how can we help? Because people were so inspired by the revolution. And then he said, I don't know what you want to help with. I think you should help your own country. You should look at your own country. Yeah. And that would be the greatest help. They feed me lies, if not the scraps of truth. They fill me up with shit. I feel shame. They fill themselves, they fill me up again. This time on state TV, they said he ate hashish. That makes no sense. They say it anyways. They say it anyways. There are many ways to tell the truth. Just tell them that the youth are doing drugs. That's why he died, and drugs are wrong. That is not done, that is shut up. They feed themselves, they like infections most. They let their bellies out when they're full. They feed themselves, they drive in chauffeured cars. They shut down rotaries. And if you know the man in charge, you pass by, you pass by, you pass by, you pass by. You have rights, you pass by. You're my friend, you pass by. I can see, I can see them. I can see within. I can hear, I can hear them when they say there's no clear. The other theater uh, iteration was also fascinating. Mm-hmm. I, for one, don't ever want to see uh, We Live in Cairo disappear. So uh-huh. is it showing again somewhere? Should what what are your plans for its future? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. For, so before the pandemic, we were planning a university tour, uh, and that obviously was sort of upended. But we yeah we noticed that a lot of the student matinees at the ART really popped off, mm-hmm. and we wanted to sort of ride that energy and take it to those these those younger audiences that really seem to connect with these younger characters. So we, so we, um, we were planning that, but then of course uh, everything got, got shut down. And you know, as we were talking about before, Marlene, like the theater, you just we just have no idea. It really feels like a, a shaking of the etch a sketch in terms of the theater landscape. Mm-hmm. And who's who's to say how you know how it will the lines will be redrawn mm-hmm. uh, when we return? Hopefully, you know, in a in a in a different way and a. Um, in a way more accessible to, to new work and um, new work that doesn't necessarily focus on American characters. Uh, so, so we do have hopes and we hope um, that this album 
connects with people that saw the show, but but also introduces people to the show. Um, and something that we also talk about a lot is how We Live in Cairo is so much more about a conversation. You know, this is We Live in Cairo, like this this interview right now. And and yes, the production is a part of it. And the book musical that we wrote is a part of it. But seeing it live in other iterations in people re-recording the music or remounting um, the Tahrir Is Now event that we all did at the Oberon and Joe's Pub. And so we're not precious about the form of it being um, super rigidly contained because there's so much more still to go in it, especially as time goes on and history keeps on keeps on going on. I think the, um, it was uh, it was unexpected and it was fascinating. Yeah. Um, I didn't expect yeah. it to be that way and it was excellent. You did a wonderful job too, Marlene. Yeah, Marlene, we can't thank <laughs> that, you. That night at Oberon, yeah, it was it was so moving. Truly. But, uh, thank you. I appreciate it. I think I think it's the whole. I think everybody did as always. So mm-hmm. it just yeah, everyone together as a whole. rose to the occasion. Thank you. Um, okay, uh, your future plans after the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Anything oh. beyond we live in Cairo, beyond revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we're we're continuing to write music. We're doing some standalone songs that will come out in the summer. We're thrilled about. Then we're working on a few musicals. Um, we're doing actually another musical with the ART that sort of takes a community look. I don't. I guess I I don't really know how to explain it. We don't have we don't have really seven years on this project like we do Cairo. But uh, it's, it, it deals with cancer, cancer treatment, and the patient-caretaker relationship. And it's sort of a kind of a community-based project. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're doing that with the, the ART. Uh, and then a few other projects. But we're, you know, we're trying to stay happy, most importantly. <laughs> <laughs> but inspired. Well, good luck to you, as always. Um, Thank you. Really your number one fan. So whatever you're doing... Uh, You'll find me there. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, your uh, brothers, Daniel and Patrick. Thank you so much, Marlene. Thank you, Marlene. Thank you.